welcome to DevOps Decrypted Podcast, the show where DevOps is what we're here for. I'm your host, Laura, and with us today, we have a guest speaker, Mike Mehu from Venue SH. It's part of the Adaptivist Group, and we're going to talk to him a little bit later. But first, we're going to talk about some DevOps in the news. So who wants to bring us in with uh, Backstage Con? Oh, that sounds like a wind up for me then, since I'm the backstage nut. Uh, yeah, there was a backstage con. Uh, it's one of the co-located events at KubeCon, which was like last week. And after some initial like, wait, what? This thing is live streamed. Wait, what, why did I get a virtual pass then? I finally caught up with some of the recordings, and there's a lot of uh, neat, interesting bits and pieces in there, including, of course, somebody threw generative AI prompting on a page in backstage. So now you can just, you know, just live in there. Just live in there. It's all good. And there's a bunch of other cool sessions in there. I know their plugin manager is coming soon. They're talking about marketplace things. The beta signups for the quick start is coming out. Loads of stuff. And that's just one co-located event. There's so much stuff happening at uh, at KubeCon. So did any of you catch any cool sessions? So let me clarify, Rasmus. Was this actually part of KubeCon or was this completely separate from KubeCon? It is. It's part of it. They actually do like a day zero series of co-located events at the venue which is like backstage and other things kind of like sub events but they do happen at the same state at the same event that is awesome yeah i mean based on whatever i have seen i think ever since the last aws reinvent there is this focus on backstage and obviously within our company we do focus on it quite a lot but even outside of it, you know, I have seen a lot of focus. There was a lot of chat about it last year in the AWS reinvent. I am expecting that probably this year as well. Um, but it is fascinating to see a completely event, a, a new event coming out of it. Backstage con, very interesting. It might have been the second year they did it. It's still fairly new. Did we learn anything new from that? I know uh, we are actually using backstage internally for quite a bit of things. Sure. Uh, one cool thing is that we are now officially partners with Spotify about backstage. That was not really a thing at the event, but I know this and I am excited because that means more cool things are coming. So we really need to digest you know, all the things there and uh, start doing more with them. That is awesome. Speaking of events, I was at one of the events last year as well. Uh, sorry, last week. <laughs> it, it's. Uh, I, I'm just saying it's an year. It's, okay, it's the, like this year is flying by. Uh, but yeah, last week, uh, we had the Agile DevOps East in Florida, Orlando. Um, actually, Mike also was there with us, but I'm going to leave it to him to uh, speak about that. Uh, the Agile DevOps East, that was a quality event as well. Uh, a lot of uh, discussions about DevOps in general. Uh, backstage did come up quite a bit. Uh, we did talk about platforms. Mike and I did a presentation about the common digital pit, uh, digital pitfalls that we see in our engagements with customers and why platform engineering could help us with some of those things. Um, again, similar to Backstage, we had been hearing quite a lot about back, uh, platform engineering in the last one or two years. Um, probably that's a good place to start this uh, podcast. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's get into platform engineering because I think that's a, it's a really interesting part of like yeah, where 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 DevOps is evolving to and and kind of move moving. So yeah, I think I'll be yeah. Let's 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 get let's get get into it. I remember platform engineering was definitely one of the predictions in almost all of the 
predictions that came out last year. Uh, we did one, Adaptivist did one too, and that was, that was definitely one of the things in there. Uh, like platform engineering is going to be the next huge thing. Uh, in fact, that is one thing I was talking about in the uh, talk as well. By 2026, 80% of the software engineering organizations will establish platform teams as internal providers uh, of reusable services, components, tools. That is a huge number, uh, 80% by 2026. I don't know how many companies have actually started on platform engineering. Uh, in fact, you know, a lot of the people who are probably here in this podcast will be wondering what exactly is platform engineering. Yep. Um, John, do you want to maybe talk about that a bit? I mean, yeah, I, I go for the I go for the high level of like the the, the cell, and then maybe, maybe people can chip in with sort of what is so what does that actually mean in the um, things. So, so so I see platform engineering as 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 a way of enabling um, teams to 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 ship in a more consistent way. Um, uh, and make visible the services and tools that are available to to them. So, um, it's about it's a it's about accelerating teams to ship better quality software, which has the right guardrails in in place. Um, and yeah, All right, how did I do? How did I do? Give us a <laughs> where, where did I miss out of the platform engineering definition? <laughs> no, I mean I, I will. I'll, I'll throw in a, uh, a thought also because I have thought about platform engineering a lot in that it's becoming already like vague, like DevOps is. Like it can mean anything you want it to. And, and it's like, what would be a really good way of positioning the two together to contrast what did DevOps mean and what does platform engineering mean? And I came up with one where I think of DevOps as when the, the dev and ops monoliths were kind of like smushed together in that you came up with this idea of like interfaces rather than throwing things on the wall so that you know operations come up with a process by which developers can interact with automation that gets their stuff happening sooner and it was also a big cultural shift in that you had to get out of that mindset of throwing things over the wall and just like operations as some group somewhere else over there and one thing i'm thinking with platform engineering is that it went from being those two monoliths kind of just smushed together like a uh, a strip of puzzle pieces like they are they kind of connect together now but there's still two things that are connecting together whereas platform engineering to me feels almost like you're breaking apart the entire puzzle and everybody all the teams have all their individual little like puzzle edges with interfaces with how they interact with other things and you absolutely need some sort of internal platform to make sense of that because yeah. just like services without like organizations, it's going to be a disaster unless you can keep track of it. Yeah, I think that's a really great way of way of of, of think, thinking about it. One of like the anti patterns that we see with DevOps teams is when you just expect teams to go right. You're now a DevOps team. You now need to care about the entire stack, and and the the cognitive overhead of of that for 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 a team for like you for engineers who have never done any infrastructure. Um, and you're going right here. You go. You've 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 now got to manage everything. Like run it. You build it. You run it. And other things. You can really slow a team down by going. You've got all of this stuff to manage now because you, there's a whole load of uncertainty added. You you kind of erode psychological safety in the team, so they're they're, they're not happy to take to take risks, and you end up you end up just like grinding to a halt. Um, and and I see kind of platform engineering taking that problem, like chipping away at it a little bit and providing those the um ways to build and that, that sort of safety uh to to remove some of that cognitive overhead 
and give you a give you a platform to build on. Um, if you want to over, 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 overload a term, um, but 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 like it gives you that um, that that can contextual safety to build and to build fast and to iterate um, in in a way that gives. Um, well, that ultimately gives better value to customers faster, and that's and that's really the goal for the for the the the, 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 the whole thing. So, so, put it in simple words. I mean, if I am an application developer, I can now focus on the application development. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to deploy. I mean, I don't have to worry about the Kubernetes infrastructure that I need to build. I don't have to worry about the pipelines, maybe, uh, to to actually build and deploy it into the uh, Kubernetes environment. Uh, it is all taken care of by the platforms. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, there's a kind of a contract between you as an application developer. And as as long as you meet that contract, the platform will meet its its contract, hopefully. Um, and and you've got you've got a you've got a stable place to be to be building on where you know where the where the lines of responsibility are. Mm -hmm. So you're still responsible for deploying and managing and and running your application, but you don't need to deal with all of the details all the way right down to the to the to the, to the bottom you have you have you you have a layer to kind of hide that from you so basically i am already equipped with the, the right tools on the infrastructure that is needed for me to successfully deploy my product okay got it yeah. um, one, one one way i think about it of it actually is that the dev and the ops was like throwing it over the wall um so you got dev and ops on one side and other things and what you kind of do is switch it 90 degrees so you, you're, the, the application is is your is being delivered by the application team throughout end to end. So they they're responsible for getting the application code into the into the customer's hands, but the the dev, but the kind of the platform team, the platform engineering is responsible for delivering the platform that enables that to happen. Yep. So you know, you've, you've you've kind of you've knocked your wall over, and you've and you've um, kind of flattened it out a little bit. That I'll, makes I'll sense. I'll, I'll throw in also a, a callback to a previous episode where we talked about Kubernetes and how can you really get away from the from the complexity in Kubernetes and development overall. And sort of the answer to that is not really, but you can move it around. When we think about platform engineering, I'm thinking about we going from that world where it was just developer and operations, then we're like just a huge interface between the two of them and all the different things you had to worry about. We break it down into small puzzle pieces but we haven't really reduced the complexity. We've just put small chunks of complexity on different individual teams. So even though when you need some code deployed, you can easily find, oh yeah, okay, that's the team, that's the home, there's their policies, do this follow this process, okay, that's easy. But then you also have the responsibility to come up with a contract for what you do. So if you at all are dependent on by anybody else, you also still need to take ownership of that bit of complexity and make it clean so that others can interact with you really well. But, but maybe there are different ways of abstracting those complexities out. And I'm sure Mike will probably tell us more about that later on. Uh, but before we do that, I was at the DevOps days in Washington, DC, uh, probably a month back, uh, or maybe even two months. As you know, I'm, I'm losing track of time. Uh, but again, uh, in that one, there was a concept called open spaces where we, we actually form small groups and talk about the things that interest us the most. And I was in one of the open space talks about platform engineering. One key thing that I noticed was many people in that uh, group, they thought platform engineering means IDPs, internal developer portal. They actually confuse the entire platform engineering with IDP. 
Now, IDPs are a crucial part of platform, platform engineering, right? They do abstract away a lot of the complexities that comes with the different tools that uh, are in the platform. But it doesn't do CICD by itself, or it doesn't do deployment. It, it, it doesn't do GitOps. So how does IDPs differ from platform, and why is it important? We did talk about Backstage, which is one of the most powerful IDPs out there today. Uh, but how does it actually fit into platform engineering? How How is it different? Anyone wants to talk about that? I mean, I can go. I can give my version. Obviously, you know, I would say IDPs are definitely one of the most primary components. I mean, it is sitting in the front. It sort of abstracts and it becomes a self-service portal that will then let you use the platform that is underneath. It is part of the platform, but you still need something to do CICD. You still need infrastructure behind the scenes. Uh, as a team that's coming on board, I start by you know probably creating repositories for myself, projects for myself, uh, an environment, maybe dev environment, staging environment, production environment, all of that needs to be done. But I can now do that with the help of the internal developer portal that I have. There are existing templates that will help you do that, which will then help me get uh, up and running really fast. But it is still connected to all those tools behind the scenes in the platform. When you say the platform assets, IDP becomes a core part of it, but that is not the platform. There are other tools that is in the midst, which will then enable you to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it definitely is. And I am definitely guilty of thinking like Backstage is like the platform for all the engineering, but it's really more like Backstage or all the IDPs front all that stuff, which includes your CICD, your Jenkins, your Zona Cube, all the things. They can look at all of it. So in a sense, it is the pane of glass, as it's so often referred to, to your overall development estate, which includes all the platforming engineering bits that you deal with. But of course, you don't get that for free. That's why it's both a cultural journey and it's a huge journey of just getting all your tools and processes put in there and all your people. Let's not forget, you know, people and process as part of the DevOps triad so often gets, you know, left behind. So you need all three of them to make it work. And that's difficult. And that's why we did a thing, which we could talk about here, which is why we have Mike here, who is totally not my boss. I don't know him at all. I don't work with him. But, you know, maybe we can just see what he's been up to. Yeah, I think so. I, I will just make one quick point there. It is all about the developer experience, right? I mean, that is what Backstage provides. And in some cases, you know, that is what Venue provides more on top of what Backstage already offers. And with that said, um, hey, Mike, how are you? Hey. Boy, it was hard to uh, not, not talk that whole time, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you have a lot to talk about platform engineering and specifically Venue. So so tell us, Mike, uh, what exactly is Venue and how is it uh, maybe different from Backstage? Or, or how does it fit into the platform engineering model? Sure. Well, you certainly, all of you touched on different aspects of it. But you know, first, I will say that Backstage uh, out of the box is quite simple. Uh, or I should say, uh, there's not much to it. It really, it's, it, and that's for a good reason. It's to allow um, companies and teams to make it their own, and and an IDP should be customized to the teams that use it. It shouldn't. It's it's not one size fits all, and um, I think that's where the complexity comes in because there's a lot of initial configuration. Um, nothing is automatic out of the box. Um, so there's quite a bit of effort uh, just to get a backstage kind of customized. 
yeah it's a framework it's not like a, a it's more like a framework yeah uh so with part of the reason for us uh doing venue.sh and and we are launching in january uh is to kind of take a couple of the things that you've discussed and and offer them in a platform uh and that is you know the idp itself uh with some pre-configurations and kind of kicking it into the next level uh, with some customizations and plugins um uh, but more importantly the having the flexibility of an entire platform so the venue.sh side uh, is that curated catalog where companies can kind of decide what tools they want to provide to their teams and they can be uh, in this catalog, and then once a company creates their own venue, which is again a place for the dev the dev teams to do their work, which includes the IDP and it, it is backstage. Um, they can create one or many stages for each team, and a stage is basically a set of tools and configurations. And one of the big differences uh, with venue uh, compared to other competitors is that. Um, we have the automation in place and we use we actually use GitOps to deploy these this tooling into a cloud native environment. So these tools get deployed into a container, into a cluster with all the other tooling for the stages uh, across the teams. Um, and it also does automatic updating. So it's not where you have to manually deploy your tool, then go into backstage, uh, do a bunch of YAML to, to connect it to backstage. It all happens um, just by creating the stage within venue.sh. It deploys the tools uh, into the Kubernetes cluster and it links it to backstage. And so you're off to the races. That's a huge amount of complexity that's just been removed. And even if you just, if you use AI or chat GBT and you search, what is it, what do I need to do to get my, my Next.js app in, into, to be able to deploy to a cloud native environment and um, you'll get a list of about 30 things uh not many of which are very easy they're all fairly complicated you know with ingress and the cluster and networking and security and um so we wanted to take a lot of that complexity out uh to help companies basically be cloud native deploy value to their customers faster in a best practices way and providing the visibility uh, across the platform and the deployments and the rollbacks and all the and all the activities that happen uh, when teams are deploying applications. All right, so that's a lot to unpack there. So I'm going to <laughs> I, I'm going to start with uh, some basic questions. So, Anderson Venue is a product. So is it like a SaaS platform that uh, people can sign on to, and you know that will actually help them uh, up and running fast in their DevOps journey? Yep. So it's a it's a platform where you just you can sign up and you can add one to many users. That's one of the nice things about Venue is it has kind of an onboarding feature, uh, which I think is lacking in other platforms. Um, you can onboard as individuals and sign up, and then you can actually join teams. In the future, we'll have more dynamic things around teams and how teams, what the makeup of a team is. Uh, what type of development they're doing and, and some some data around that. Uh, but yeah, you basically go to it, you log into the portal and then you're um, you're looking at your portal, which is the venue.sh portal. Uh, and within that portal, you can again, create stages, 
uh, configure your teams, um, look at reports and reporting and, and analytics of things that are happening, and then also uh, go over into your backstage environments where the teams are actually doing the work and doing CI/CD with whatever GitLab or whatever tools they have. Uh, so the tools like, that you mentioned, like GitLab or GitHub or whatever, you mentioned that they're going to be part of, they're going to be installed as part of the stages that we create in Venue. Do they get installed on SaaS as well, or can I have uh, the CI/CD tools running on-prem or behind in my AWS environment? Is that possible? Yeah, so we provide both things. You can connect to an existing one, uh, or you can spin up a new one, uh, so you have the option to do to do both. All right, so could be as... more than one, more than one, more than one Git provider as well. If you if you have more than one. Okay, so the teams get the control on what tools they want to use and where where they want to host it, but when you will help them get them up and running. Uh, it helps hard. them uh, get up and running. It also helps them with versioning of tools, and then of course, uh, whenever if everybody's configuring and, and choosing tools, if you um, if you've seen the the chart of the thousand tools that are available. <laughs> Uh, teams will typically, they may have used some of the same tools, but they may be using different versions uh, and they may choose tools that maybe, you know, are not really compliant to, or they're kind of outside of the, the box of what the other teams are using. So, yeah, I mean, Venue just kind of helps the organization align, like I said, a curated catalog. We want the developers to be able to choose uh, the tools that make them work the best and deploy the best software. But um, it is nice to have some controls or some guardrails, as John put it, to uh, to make sure that the teams are kind of choosing tools from from a curated catalog and that they're being updated and to the to the latest versions and things like that when they choose to. So that not only just uh, gives you a good starting point, but it will also help enterprises put some kind of governance over. What, what gets software and you know how they're using those tools that's right and they have visibility so you can see the somebody whether they're at the dev level or above they'll be able to go and look at all the stages they'll be able to see the tools and the versions of tools that are being used for that team to deploy their application so it's a one-stop view a kind of a view of the landscape a lot of that stuff is just simply not visible you know different folks from across the company may never log into GitLab or they may never log into Backstage. Uh, we try to have Venue be, Venue.sh be that one place where where anybody in the organization can log in and, and get some value out of it, uh, not just devs and dev teams. Sounds good. I know that you're actually using Backstage as part of, as part of the tooling that you provide. Is that going to be the norm going forward or, I mean, are you thinking, I mean, if there's an, another IDP that I want to use or if something that we have custom developed within our organization, will we be able to use it, you know, at some point? Yeah, right now we're pretty focused on Backstage. Um, it, it is um, obviously popular and it's open source. Uh, earlier in the year, I did a talk at uh, Atlassian Unleashed in Berlin and, and um, that talk was about uh, using Compass as the IDP. So we we do have other um, interests and in, in we are thinking of building in functionality to be able to choose the IDP. But uh, as of right now, there's 
there there aren't that many uh and obviously the one that's in the limelight and has been for a little bit has been backstage um quick question uh, again once all those tools uh, gets deployed you know uh it's a platform at the end of the day, and you need to have the tools integrated with each other. Like for example, I might actually need Jira for project management, right? And I need GitLab for CI/CD, for example, and I'm deploying it into um, AWS, um, into Kubernetes clusters, maybe EKS. So do you also help them integrate these tools together? How does it work? Or do I have to ask the customer, go and then integrate all these tools myself, which is again, a pain. Yes. Yeah. So that's definitely uh, part of the foundation of the of the product and the platform. Obviously, we've the, the first thing that they integrate is with whatever Git um, management software they're using, whether it's GitLab or GitHub or um, Bitbucket. But uh, but the the back end that we've built uh, and there is a uh, a menu. Uh, called integrations that is where they will be able to integrate existing software and in addition to that um, we're building out our own rest api uh, as well so they'll be able to be uh, back calls into the venue.sh platform i know rasmus is on the call and he's part of the venue team so i'm going to actually call out on him because it's not always about the tools right i mean you did touch on this a bit earlier you are talking about the people and the processes. How, how does actually when you help with that part of the uh, equation? Sure, and and I'll, I'll preface that a little bit with that. There are so many tools and frameworks and templates and cool things out there. And it's like you have this gigantic box of just pieces. And the trouble with something like Backstage right now is that it's, it's a framework for this. So you get this box of really cool things like, good luck. Whereas I said, you both need to figure out how to put that together well, and then you need to get your people into it, which is really kind of the big one. So when I looked at, you know, when we started working on, 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 on Venue in the beginning, and we, we talked about these concepts for years because Adaptivist as a whole and GoToGroup before, of course, have been doing all these things. And like, what is missing? And it's really the, it's really the coordination and the integration of those things with people that's missing. So I looked at something like Backstage and looked at the, the Spotify premium plugin package and they help some, you know, they have some stuff more than what's available open source. And then like, hmm, but there's still some things missing in there. And the thing that was missing largely was around when as a developer, you log in or you start on the day, like, okay, where do I go? And, you know, some companies and vendors and they have thoughts on it like and last thing would want you to go to compass or something like that and just start looking at things and i was thinking okay i would want you to go look at something like backstage or venue but then what concepts do you look at inside them and to me that's the connections between things so i came up with these the, the small series of, of additional like editors or hubs for things that you can then start with if you're curious about a particular area which is like for the for the venue side of things that deploys tools and provision stuff for you is largely about stages, which fledge together. What are you working on? Where are you working on it? Which tools are used to augment it and so on? So there's a stage designer that gets into figuring out, okay, how does my stage for my work look like? And then after you've made it, it's not just left there alone. That's what happens in something like backstage a lot where you make a thing. Not there it is. Good luck. 
Whereas a stage designer gives you a stage where you can start, even for like weeks and months after you begin, to look at, well, yeah, we've been working on this thing now. We have eight microservices and two databases and four environments and all this. We need to add this new sub-feature that's going to add like three more microservices and another database and all these things. Okay, I just drag and drop and add them over here and over here. And then, oh, okay, they all just slip into place and now they are hooked up to all the other stuff. And on this page, I really have that view of what is all the stuff involved with this with these things. And then you go beyond that and do the similar concept for other things like individual teams. I think that happens more frequently now is that you're not just your org chart. If you're a really, you know, nimble organization, you might temporarily make, you know, virtual teams that work on some hot topic issue for just like a sprint or two, even though you might report to different people. So there's a thing in there that that lets you start that process. And like, we have a, you know, we need a tiger team, whatever it is it's called these days. We need two node developers, a an infrastructure person, and a security guy. And you just like, oh, okay. So I can filter by people and just like see who's available and who has the skills and and then put them in a team and then like associate that with a stage and like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. And then it kind of just goes on that with the continuous, you know, look at what happens over time. It's not just at one point in time, yep, I permissioned a tool, good luck, or I made a microservice, good luck. It's like all those things for the entire life cycle, you have that look into what's going on. You can go change it, you can go update it, even to where, say you started a mobile application and, you know, you were working on soon or whatever one of those things that died really terribly the concept might still be solid that's the same kind of idea the same kind of of application but you have to completely retool your thing it's still the same thing now you've just like moved some of the pieces around but you still have that look of where has this thing been over the years with all the analytics you want so that's the long and short of you know some of the things i i'm excited about yeah, Creative Hubs is part of venue, we call it uh, that. And I was just thinking, you know, we're talking about DX, but I was thinking it's also about TX, t team experience uh, for us and the alignment with teams in the tooling and the stage. Uh, because again, these things are complex. And, you know, John, I think at the beginning was talking about you have developers with skill sets and then you have DevOps people with skill sets. Um, and those two things don't always work well together, those two groups. And so maybe some of the stuff that the DevOps group is sort of dictating to the teams uh, doesn't make them as agile and 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 uh, and uh, you know have have the ability to, to deliver value fast. Because um, it seems like today, with companies moving to the cloud, and you know whether they're in a digital transformation or they're they're in, in um, towards the end of it that uh, they you know they can uh, get features and they can get things to work on and they can sprint uh, but where they struggle to to go at the same speed as deploying to production and so um, that's one of the main focuses of venue is to help companies get to be cloud native to where they can deploy to production you know, within, you know, in, in minutes instead of weeks or months. That brings up an interesting question for me, at least. Um, so who is your target customers? Because when you look at it, uh, there are 
at least in my mind, there are three three types of customers. One is startups, the green field, which is very easy to deal with, right? You already have a set of processes that you probably want to put put them on. You know, you have the templates in place, best practices templates, very easy to get them started on. But then there are enterprises or companies who are either starting their digital transformation journey, like you mentioned, or people who already started the journey, but they are at a stage where they are taking a pause and rethinking, or we are not on the right track. Uh, we call it day-to-day DevOps on the services side, right? They they need to rethink their strategy. So who, who exactly are your target customers, or do you have one? I like to think that... Uh... My background, and I think our background, is more more on the enterprise side. Um, even going back to when I was a developer, I, I developed enterprise applications, so things that needed to scale and have a lot of people and a lot of a lot of lines of code. Um, startups obviously are more nimble. Uh, they have, uh, you know, more flexibility. They can be more cutting edge. So I do see that those would be good customers for Venue because they can basically sign up and they know what they want and they can choose those things and be off to the races without having to build it. Um, but it, but I think a huge amount of value with Venue is, again, with enterprise customers and being able to um, do team on, onboarding and have that curated catalog and have some guardrails around um what these stages uh, have and what the tooling and what the environments are. And again, to um, to deploy to cloud native environments instead of to a virtual machine or virtual server or whatever they're deploying to currently. Um, it just speeds up that whole process. Uh, you know, if you look at the Netflix story, uh, millions of dollars, years of development and you know they're still working on it i'm sure <laughs> it's a great a great experience for their developers but that takes you know we're trying to basically provide that experience out of the box but at the same time let the customer let the, the customer's organization make it their own so again providing them with that backstage experience that's customized for them and then that curated catalog that they can that they can build themselves and then hopefully um you know, towards the middle and and latter part of next year we'll have more of the creative of part built out and a lot more of the reporting and the analytics and hopefully some ai features yep and i think that's a great seg into one thing i want to bring out there which is a little crazy i know that's me i have to do something crazy on each podcast but i also want to like grab a very obvious challenge we're going to face which is that enterprise customers have a lot of stuff already so like how do you take a platform that kind of like serves all these beautiful greenfield you know potentials and wrap that around something that exists already and we we've we've toyed with the idea of this on stage concept of how do we get that existing stuff onto a stage and we have some thoughts on you know well i mean we're going to have some templates that you kind of like rebase your stuff on top of and then you get the benefits of that being a curated template so you get the updates and the all kinds of cool things like that but what we really want or what i really want because i'm a nerd is to get that level of it's almost an analog to how now you can make customized gpts where you can take something like chat gpt and feed it a bunch of context and you say okay this is this is us now this is us but that with your entire like platform and identity as a business fed into a platform with some level of ai and all that so that you know well 
when we make a brand new thing we haven't done before, we're getting into a whole new language or a whole new you know project area, start this thing with all the things we normally do, which uh, there needs to be some sort of awareness of how do you normally opinionate your template and your tools? How do you interact with auditability and all those kind of things? Okay, apply all that to this new thing over here and magic, somehow it happens. Now, whether we can pull that off will be a whole other question, but uh, considering how AI is developing right now, I think if you can get to the point where you're making your custom GPT, but as your entire company platform engineering thing, I mean, that would be amazing. That sounds like uh, definitely the way to go in future, but let me make sure. I mean, that is when you are such 2.0 that we are speaking about. Might be, might be. 1.5. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's growing fast. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add about venue or platform engineering in general? I know. Uh, so you 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 talked about developer experience as well as the team experience, which was very interesting because a lot of the time we are focused on developer experience, and um, I, I think Dasmus was speaking about how we can onboard people and um, processes onto onto uh, you know these internal developer portals or the platforms that we are speaking about. Anything that we are missing here? Well, I, I I wanted to ask a question actually. So I think we've 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 focused on some of the like you know what is it is what's the experience as a de as a developer, um, but I, I'm kind of interested in what, what's the experience like and and what what does Venue bring for, for for leadership? So for for engineering managers, for maybe directors of engineering or CCOs um, or CCIOs, what is the like where what what's the what's the what's the story and the advantage there of kind of bringing bringing some of these things together? Yeah, well, first off, uh, the Venue.sh um, dashboard uh, itself, I think, is going to be huge because it's not just geared towards, you know, it's looking across the landscape. So, again, they'll be able to look at all the stages and see the different tools that the teams are using. Um, but also, we will have uh, reporting, even whether it's Dora metrics or, or other things, to So, somebody could log into Venue.sh and see that, oh, uh, the mobile team had a rollback and did it did our did our feature get redeployed and how fast did that happen and does the customer have that value um so building out building on that and also the concept of dashboards uh per user so that the type of user that's logged into venue.sh will be able to have their own kind of dashboard that shows things that they're interested in um and then again, uh, one of the one of the issues that we saw with one of our longtime customers is they had a, a more than a hundred uh, dev teams. A lot of them used Jenkins and similar tools, but they um, each team had different versions uh, of the tool. Uh, so um, again, like the CTO would be able to say, "Oh, let me look at our curated catalog." Okay, I agree with that catalog. Those are the tools that we want our teams using. Um, and we want everybody to be on this version and they can kind of set that in venue and it, it will automatically update each stage and update their tools accordingly uh, and have that integration and the traceability. Um, um, but yeah, we uh, still in the design phase um, on a lot of the reporting and uh, how we're gonna aggregate data, but uh, that's a heavy, part in a big module of, of venue.sh is to provide a lot of information to non-devs. There's a, there's a large mix of these kind of high-level or alternative personas. There's a bunch of high-level like reporting and analytics and things in venue. 
And there are also some of the creative hubs concepts, even like at the lower level and backstage, whereas as a team lead, you might go on your team page and you see, okay, here are all the like pull requests and that relate to different team members, even in different tools. If you're working both on say GitLab and GitHub at the same time, there's a home for that. There's like a persona for a product uh, manager where you, if you're a product manager and you look at some, okay, here's some things you might be interested in. So there's a whole bunch of like non-developer uh, bits and pieces. I think of it as a development product of sorts. This has been fascinating. Um, it sounds like it adds value across an organization, not just for developer experience, but everybody's experience. So, um, well, that's a wrap for DevOps Decrypted podcast. Um, you can connect with us on social media at Adaptivist and let us know what you think of the show. Uh, for myself and Jobin, Rasmus, John, and Mike, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time on DevOps Decrypted, part of the Adaptivist Live Podcast Network.